Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please. And I want you to turn over to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 22. Let me say a couple things before we start tonight. Number one, I, I feel like it's my job as the pastor to, number one, seek God's face and make sure that I try to, uh, try to give you what God wants me to give to you. And with that, I try to sort of keep my finger on the pulse about what the different needs are in the church. And so that's why I'm teaching on what I'm teaching tonight. Um, I, feel like this is, I feel like this is definitely a need tonight. Number two, my preaching is very simple. And y'all know that. Somebody gave, me a, somebody gave me a compliment the other day. It was a compliment. And they said, your preaching is so simplistic. And I said, you're right. I said, I, I don't know if I can go very deep. And they said, no, 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 I don't mean that like that. They said, you're able to take things that are sort of sometimes sort of hard to understand and you're able to make them sort of simple for people to understand. And, uh, and so I, I just, I take, that, uh, I take that as a compliment. And, but I also said that to say this, we're going to go a little deeper tonight. And so... If you're going to get something out of tonight, you're going to have to want to get something out of tonight because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wade out a little ways tonight, all right? And uh, maybe, maybe a little bit past the, the uh, ropes, you know, that say shallow. And so you're going to have to really hang in there with me tonight. Um, by the way, we're not going to beat you over the head with the King James Bible tonight, just in case you're wondering. And, uh, and I, I don't want to preach the message before it's time to to say some certain things that I'm going to say tonight. But I'm just going to preach to you tonight or teach to you tonight on this subject, why I use the King James Bible. And that's a very important title. So I'm going to tell you why I use the King James Bible tonight. And that question has come up and some folks have asked. And so I want to, so I want to answer that question tonight the best I can. So I want to, I want to uh, ask a question tonight. How many of you are here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I was told that I need to use the King James Bible, but nobody ever really took the time to tell me why. Anybody here like that tonight? You just be honest enough to raise your hand. So several here tonight. And so I'm going to tell you why I use the King James Bible tonight. And so turn, turn over to 2 Kings chapter 22 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you would uh, be so kind as to stand, if you're able to stand tonight. Listen, I believe you're going to receive a blessing tonight. So don't turn me off. Uh, don't turn me off. I hope you won't turn me off the whole message. But definitely don't turn me off now because if you turn me off now, you're going to miss, you're going to miss what God has for you tonight. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. And so 2 Kings chapter 22 and look at verse number, verse number one. The Bible says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adaiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the doors or the door have gathered the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house, under carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit, there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered into the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king saying, Hilkiah the, the priest hath delivered me a book. 
And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes, which, by the way, was a, a symbol of humility is what's going on there. He ripped his, his garments. Verse 12, the Bible says, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim the son of Shaphan and Archbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Azahiah, servant of the king, saying, go ye, inquire the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. You may be seated tonight. And just for a minute, I want to talk to you about that subject, why I use, why I use the King James Bible. And so if you walked into this room tonight and you're not using a King James Bible, I'm not mad at you tonight. Good night, I'm glad you're here. In fact, I'm thrilled you're here. And so I'm not mad at you. And I'm not going to pick on you tonight at all. I just, I want to try to give you some things tonight. And I, I think that this will be helpful to everybody, not just those that have maybe never heard this subject, but I think it'll be helpful to everybody. And so <clears throat> let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you for this service. I don't know about anybody else, but God, I've been helped tonight. Lord, I, I feel like I'm gonna leave this place better than I was before I came in. Lord, my heart has been encouraged. My spirit has been energized tonight. Lord, if we stopped right now and had the closing prayer and went home, it'd been worth me coming. And so, Lord, I thank you for the good songs that we've been able to sing as a congregation. Thank you for the beautiful music that we've heard tonight. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the spirit of worship that's here tonight. I want to thank you personally for the song that Brother Abel sang tonight. And Lord, how it encouraged me. And I believe it helped some others tonight as well. Father, help us to give you praise. These are not days to praise less. These are days to praise more. And so Lord, I pray now as we, as we assemble into a full-blown Bible study tonight. And Lord, this is one of those that folks are going to have to, if they get something tonight, it's going to be because they purposely pay attention and they want something. And so fill us with the Spirit of God. And I pray all that's done would honor you and glorify your Son. And I pray that we'll learn a great truth tonight. And I pray we'll go home helped. Father, save that one that's nearest hell and encourage that one that may be discouraged, please. And we thank you and love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake <clears throat> and all God's people said, amen. So in 2 Kings chapter 20, and of course we were in chapter 22, but in 2 Kings chapter 20, if you were to go back there, we have the godly reign of a man by the name of Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 21, <clears throat> Hezekiah has now passed off the scene and his son Manasseh will reign for 55 long years in Judah. And our Bible tells us that Manasseh reigns wickedly. In fact, he is, he is, one of the, he is probably one of the more wicked kings that ever reigned in Judah's history. Manasseh passes off the scene and his son Ammon reigns for an additional two years and so I want, you to, I want you to sort of get the, the picture here. For 57 years, Judah is one more wicked place to live. I mean wicked. They, they, during that 57 years, they do abominable things. The Bible tells us that they built again the high places for false worship. They have built altars for Baal. They've become very actively involved in astrology and the worship of the stars and the horoscopes and all those kind of things. They have, let me tell you how bad it is. They have built altars 
for false gods in the house of the Lord. So they're not only worshiping false gods, but they are building altars for false gods like Baal and Ashtaroth and Moloch. They're building those altars in the very house of the Lord. But he goes further than that. You know, change is a slippery slope. And so they begin to change. And so it's, it's a downward spiral. So now they've become involved. They've even become involved in human sacrifice. They're, they are giving their kids to the fire. They're worshiping these false gods and they're giving their kids as human sacrifices. Not only that, but the Bible says they're involved in sorcery and witchcraft. In fact, church, it gets so bad that the house of God is literally destroyed. It's literally ransacked and the doors of the house of God are closed. Ammon passes off the scene, which really he doesn't pass off the scene. He's assassinated. They hate him. Manasseh serves for 55 years. Then Ammon comes on the scene and Ammon is so hated by the people that they, that they assassinate him. And so he only serves for two years. And I don't really understand exactly how, how this can happen outside the grace of God. It's got to be the grace of God. But Manasseh passes off the scene. Ammon passes off the scene. And all of a sudden, a young man by the name of Josiah, who is only eight years old, takes the throne. And the Bible says about Josiah that Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Hey, teenager, go study this out. If you go over to 2 Chronicles 34, you don't have to do it tonight, but if you go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, it tells us the same story, but in a little different way. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, the Bible says that at the age of 16 years old, that Josiah has a burning desire to do something for God. At the age of 16. I mean, brother, he is tearing it up for God at the age of 16. Boy, I read that and I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be great, church, if God would do that again? Wouldn't it be great if we had some 16-year-olds who just got on fire of God and, and just said, you know what, I'm not waiting on the rest of the youth group and I don't care what the rest of the youth group does and I don't care what everybody else does in the school or the public school or the Christian school. I don't care what anybody else does in the whole church, but by the grace of God, I want to do something great for the Lord. Yeah, good. At 16 years of age, that was Josiah's heart. He was on fire for God. At 18 years of age, he rebuilds the house of God. It's been all broken down, closed up, shut up. And so Josiah says this, we're gonna, we're gonna build it back up again. We're gonna open up the doors. We're gonna go in the house of the Lord. We're gonna remodel. We're gonna make it beautiful. We're gonna make it a place of worship again. And so he begins to put his crew together Shaphan's part of that. Evidently, Shaphan the scribe was some type of a supervisor. Hilkiah the high priest uh, had a part in that. And the Bible says that they begin the work and they begin to clear out all the clutter and all the rubble and, and all that part that's been broken down. And, and, uh, and the Bible says that as they are clearing out the rubble, our Bible tells us that Hilkiah stumbles upon a book. Now, I'm going to put some things up on your screen tonight. It wouldn't be a book like a book like you think about. It'd be something similar to this right here. It would be some type of scroll, probably. It probably on papyrus or maybe maybe even an animal skin. And it was probably sealed up in some kind of a of an airtight container and. And so they're going through all the rubble that's been broken down through 57 years of wickedness. And uh, as they're clearing the rubble out, they come, they come across this container. Hilkiah, no doubt, opens the container up and he pulls out something like this. And I'm not positive, positive that Hilkiah can read. 
Because the Bible says that he gives it to Shaphan. Shaphan's the scribe. And the Bible says that Shaphan reads it. And Shaphan, now Hilkiah did know this. He had enough sense. Oh, this is good right here. I don't know if Hilkiah could read it, but he knew this. It was the word of God. He maybe didn't have a lot of a lot of intelligence, a lot of education, but he knew it was the word of God. He gives it to Shaphan. Shaphan reads it. He takes it to the king, King Josiah, and the Bible says that he begins to read these words in the scroll. He begins to read these words to the king, and immediately our Bible says that Josiah hears the words of the book, and he recognizes it as the word of God and immediately repents. Now think with me, Calvary. For 57 years, no word of God. And as long as the word of God was hid, wickedness has prevailed. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice, astrology. By the way, some things we couldn't even mention. I mean, some, 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 of, their, uh, some of their parts of worship were so filthy and so abominable, there are things that we couldn't even mention in a mixed crowd. And so for 57 years, the word of God has been hidden and, uh, and wickedness has prevailed. But when the Bible was finally discovered, revival breaks out. I would submit tonight, Calvary, that one of the reasons that America is in such disarray and one of the reasons that the church has lost its power is because somewhere along the line, and it might even be that, that, that we did this unknowingly, but somewhere along the line, my dear friend, we lost the word of God. And you say, preacher, you're right. It, it, it became buried under the rubble of sin. and It became buried under the rubble of wickedness and liberalism and, and all those things. And you're right about that. You'd be right if you said that. But I want to add something else tonight. But I believe not only has the word of God been buried under the rubble of wickedness and the rubble of sin and the rubble of, 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 liberal, of, of liberality, but also I believe this, I believe that it's been buried under the rubble of confusion. These are only a few that I'll give you tonight. So concerning all the different translations, we have the King James Bible. The Revised Version, Revised Standard Version, New International Version, New American Standard Bible. Good News for Modern Man, Living Bible, Amplified Bible, Contemporary English Bible, Revised English Bible. New Revised Standard Version, New King James, New Living Translation, Clear Word Bible. English Standard Version, The Message Bible, New American Bible. New American Revised Version. New Century Version, New Community Bible. New English Translation, New Life Version. The Orthodox Study Bible, Simple English Bible, the Woman's Bible, the World English Bible. And by the way, that is just a drop in the bucket. And you know what, you know what's, I believe, you know what's happened in a lot, of, a lot of societies, a lot of churches is, and maybe we didn't even mean for it to happen, but somewhere along the line, the Word of God got buried and we lost the Bible. And because of that, wickedness is prevailing. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a lot of statements tonight. I'm not even going to tell you how many because it'd scare you to death if I told you how many I was going to give you tonight. How about this by way of introduction? Number one, I'm not seeking to be controversial with this message. Because I understand that what I'm teaching on tonight is a difficult subject to address. Number, number two, I understand that there are those who are very dogmatic concerning the King James Bible and by the way, I'm, I'm fine with that. The only problem is uh, many of those aren't prepared to explain their position. And, and so when somebody walks in the church that has a different version of the Bible, it's like, you dirty, low, down. And yet those people never teach them why they use the King James well, you know what? If you're not going to teach somebody why you do something, you shouldn't be down on them because they do it. Is that right? I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm sort of a show me kind of guy. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> and so, man, don't just tell me to do something. Tell me why. I mean, okay. Somebody says, I'll tell you why, bless God, because you're an independent Baptist. I need more than that. 
Now, I'm not against, I'm not against somebody who, who takes that stand. I'm not against that, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that you're standing, but I'm just saying this. Why, though? I, I want to know why. Uh, I'm going to say this, too. I don't, I don't plan to debate with anybody concerning this subject. I use the King James Bible because I've reached that position through study, through careful study and conviction. But not everybody who walks in this church can have that same conviction. And so I'm not going to beat you over the head or, or criticize you or excommunicate you. And I know, boy, I've got people probably going to be watching live stream night and I'm going to be on the blacklist from now on. I know that, but that's okay. That's okay. I never started this out to be popular anyway. And so, if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I don't have that same conviction. That's okay. But I'm hoping I can, I'm hoping I can speak into your life tonight. I would ask this. I would ask any of our preachers and any of our teachers who preach a message or teach to use only the King James Bible out of respect for your, for your pastor. And I'll give you some other reasons too here in just a little bit. I don't plan tonight on criticizing someone who may walk into the church with another version of the Bible. I'm telling you, folks, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough subject. When you've been talking about things like the Masoretic Hebrew Old Testament text and the Latin Vulgate and the Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus and the Textus Receptus, you say, say what, Preacher. And needless to say, the 36,000 changes made between the New International Version and the King James Bible. So I just, I said all that to say this. I understand it's a difficult subject. And so we're not, we're not down on anybody tonight. I just want to give you a little personal testimony tonight on why I use the King James Bible. Let me give you a little history about the King James Bible. And I'm going to put a few things up on your screen tonight. How about this? First of all, one of the first English Bibles was translated by a man by the name of John Wycliffe, uh, who is who you see on, your, on the screen tonight. And by the way, these, these were great men. Uh, Wycliffe was, uh, used mainly what was known as the Latin Vulgate to help translate the Bible into English, but the Vulgate was known to have quite a few corruptions. And then after that, there was something called uh, the Tyndall Bible. William Tyndall translated from the original Hebrew and Greek text, which is what we're after, but he was martyred before he was able to finish the Bible completely. Now, let me stop real quick and just insert something right there. So this man started translating the Bible into English so you and I could read the Bible in English, and, but he never made it all the way through because they killed him before he got finished. Now somebody says, preacher, why? <laughs> Would anybody kill somebody because they're trying to translate the Bible? And this is the reason. Because there were corrupt people who wanted to keep the common man in darkness. And so they wanted to say, hey, listen, you are a peasant. You're a common man. You're a farmer. You're a plowboy. You can't understand this book. Only we can understand this book. And so what you do is you come to our churches and we will tell you what the Bible says. Now, you can't understand it yourself and you can't read it because you don't have it in your language anyway. And so you'll just have to trust us that we're telling you what the Bible says. The only problem was is they weren't telling them what the Bible says. And so when men begin to, God called men begin to come out and they begin to try to translate the word of God into English. Boy, you talk about stirring up a ruckus. These men were hated vehemently. They were hated because uh, these rich uh, religious people knew that, uh, that their livelihood and their wealth and their riches and all that was about to be taken away. And so, uh, so uh, the Tyndall Bible. But then, how about this? This is just interesting. This is something called the Great Bible. The Great Bible was ordered to be set up in every parish church. It was an excessively large Bible. And, and how about this? That's not a mistake right there. It was chained to the reading desk in the church. Then you say, Pastor, what in the world? Why would they chain a Bible to the, to the church? And this is the reason. There were so few 
copies of the Word of God that they chained it to the desk so nobody could take off with it. And so, by the way, if you'd have taken off with it, you probably would have needed a wheelbarrow anyway if you'd have taken off with it because it was so big. And so, uh, so the uh, John Wycliffe Bible, the Tyndall Bible, the Great Bible, how about this, the Bishop's Bible. This was next. It was a revision of the Great Bible. It was used mainly by the clergy and it was not popular with the common people. You say, Pastor, you're losing me already. Don't listen. Don't lose me yet. Stay with me, church. And so this Bishop Bible was not used by the common man. Then it came, they came out with the Douay Bible. The New Testament was translated in 1582. The Old Testament of the Douay Bible was translated in 1609. It was translated from the Latin Vulgate. And it is pretty much the Bible of the Roman Catholic Church today. It's called the Douay Reims. But in 1611, something happened. In 1611, King James I decided to have 47 scholars translate a Bible from the original Hebrew and Greek text into English. But there was something different about this translation. Now, follow me tonight. How about this? First of all, it was something called verbal equivalence. The translators used something called verbal equivalence when translating, which means this, they translated word for word. They translated what the original said, not what they thought they ought to say, which is what happened a lot of the time. A lot of the times when men were translating the Bible into English, they would say, well, it really shouldn't say this. What it really ought to say is this. And so they, they would not worry about what the original said. They would just say, well, it really, it really should say this. And so they would, uh, they would translate what they thought it ought to say. And so the King James translator uses, used something called verbal equivalence and they translated the, what the original said and not what they thought they ought to say. But there's something else and I want you to really, really hang in there with me on this. Number two, the translators use something called the majority text or the received text or some call it the textus receptus. They use the majority text to translate the Bible into English. Now, you say, Pastor, what in the world? You're on another planet. I'm really not. So I want you to hang in there with me. I want you to understand where you got your Bible from tonight. By the way, it is, it is important that you understand where you get your Bible from tonight. So, six, six statements. The Holy Spirit inspired holy men of old concerning what should be written down. It's called autographs or the original manuscripts. Now, I'm going to put a, a verse on your screen here tonight. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 19. The Bible says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so someone says, Pastor, why are you so fond of that book? It's just a bunch of old men got together and they just wrote down some words and they all put it together and that's the Bible. That's not the Bible. Amen. And that's not how you got your Bible. Our, listen, Scripture tells us that God breathed or inspired his word. He came to holy men of old, men like Moses, men like Paul, men like Jeremiah, men like Ezekiel, men like Daniel. And the Bible says that he breathed on those men. It's the idea, it's the idea of a ship being on the ocean and it's got its sails up and the wind catches the, catches the vessel and it conveys the vessel. That's exactly what the Bible is saying there. It's the idea of inspired. God, the Holy Spirit came and he breathed upon these men. God used them to pin the words, but it was the Spirit of God that spoke these words into existence. And so the Holy Spirit inspired these originals or what we're calling autographs. But how about this? None of these originals have survived. 
Most were written on papyrus, like the scroll we showed you just a moment ago, or papyri, or sometimes animal skins, if you could afford it. Animal skins were the most expensive. And most people couldn't afford, most people couldn't afford to have a manuscript anyway. But they definitely couldn't afford to have it on animal skins. And if you had it on animal skins, skins, it would take a whole animal skin to just maybe do just a few chapters of the word of God. And so, so the originals haven't survived, but the copies of the originals have survived. And, and these are called apographs. Now, again, I beg you to hang in there with me, church, because it's going to be help, helpful to you if, you if you'll stay with me. Our King James Bible came from these apographs or these copies. The apographs were copied on the most part by scribes. They didn't have printing presses and ink printers and all of that back in that day, so they would have uh, a copy of the scripture and these scribes would, would reproduce it very painstakingly by hand. And they would write it on papyrus and sometimes it would be scrolls after scrolls after scrolls. And sometimes it would take days and days and days for them to transfer uh, and, and to make copies of the word of God. But as you would think, these apographs were copied by scribes and because of that, they were human. And there were imperfections. So occasionally mistakes were made with with the copying of these originals. So hang with me now. Business is about to pick up. So here's a, here's a scribe and he's copying the book of Luke. It takes him days and days to do it. And there's just scroll after scroll after scroll. But there's a mistake here or there. And so to correct this problem, the Bible translators took all of these apographs or these copies and compared them together to secure exactly the words of Holy Scripture. Hence, we get our King James Bible from what's called the majority text. Now you say, Pastor, help me. Help me tonight. I'm going to try to help you. All right, here we go. Ready? So here is two manuscripts. And so these scribes would copy the word of God and he would make out these two manuscripts. And let's say that these, let's say that these two manuscripts maybe left out a word, a word that should have been in there. They didn't mean to do it, but they did it by mistake. But these translators would find 2,000 manuscripts that included that word. And so these two copies on the end left out a word, but they found 2,000 copies that included that word. And so because of that, they would include that word in Scripture, for instance. Maybe there were two copies that would say something like this, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, wait a minute now. I, we left a little something out of there. For God so loved the world. And so they, they would find two copies, and those two copies would say, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. And yet they would find 2,500 or 3,000 copies, and they all agreed together, and they said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because of that, they would add the words, the world. Quite possibly there was a scribe that maybe mistakenly added a word when copying scripture. And he would say something like this, for whosoever shall call upon the name and power of the Lord shall be saved. And so there were two or three manuscripts that said, uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name and the power of the Lord. And yet there were 3,500 or 4,000 manuscripts that said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then they would use the, that majority. And that's how they put together your King James Bible. Now you say, Pastor, why do you use the King James Bible tonight? All right, real quickly. The in introduction was longer than the message. 
How about this? Number one, and I put them all with the letter P in just one word so they'd be easy to remember. Why I use the King James Bible? Number one, purity. The King James Bible was translated at a time when the English language was in its purest form. Now, you understand that God could have easily had the scriptures translated into English at any time. The 1800s, the 1900s. But God predestined these translators and this king, he worked on the heart of this king to translate a Bible into English in the 1600s at a time when the English language was in its purest form. Now, again, our English language today, we're, we're messed up. We have so much slang that we use in our vernacular today. You say, uh, uh, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, we have, we have one English word that has numerous meanings. So the kids, at least they used to, I don't even know if they do, still do, do this or not, but the kids will see something and they'll say, man, that's the bomb. That's the bomb. You know what they're saying by that? They're not saying something's getting ready to blow up. They're saying, man, that's incredible. Wow. Man, that's beautiful. By the way, I don't think I would say that when you're in the airport. I don't think I'd say, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Well, I, didn't mean, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean anything by it. I don't know if those TSA people are going to, uh, I don't know if they're going to agree with your English. Uh, and so, uh, again, we, our, our English language has changed so much. Kids will say something like this. Man, that is so cool. That's cool. No, they, they don't mean it's cold. You know what they mean? They mean, man, that's really something. But you know what? It's even got worse. Now they'll say something like this. Man, that is sick. That is sick. They don't mean it's sick. They don't mean it's got a fever. They don't mean it's about to fall over. You know what they mean? Man, that's amazing. That's what they're saying. That is something, man. Look at that. That is, that is amazing. People say something like this. Man, I am ticked off. I'm ticked off. And you're waiting for them to start ticking but they never do. Or you start looking and you, and, and you say, you, you, got a, you got a tick, you got a tick on you? Where, where, where's it at? I, and that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about to, that they're ticking like a clock or they've got a parasite on them. Uh, they're talking about, I'm mad. That's what they're saying. So we use a lot of slang in our words today. You'll see a car crash and somebody will say like this, man, I saw this car and he ran up on the sidewalk and hit this other car. Man, he creamed that car. I mean, he creamed it. You mean he put whipped cream on? Oh, I mean, is that, what, what are you talking about? That's not what he's talking about. By the way, you know what he's talking about. It means, man, he, I mean, he ran into that car and, and did some major damage. Now, again, here's my point tonight. And you go back, don't take my word for it. You go back and check it out for yourself. But when the King James Bible was translated, it was translated at the time when the English language was one of its purest forms. By the way, no wonder... The Bible says in, in Psalm chapter 12 and verse number six, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So why I use the King James Bible, number one, purity. Number two, people. The King James Bible has been used of God for centuries to minister to the needs of people for centuries. Somebody says, Pastor, why do you use the King James Bible? Because my mom and dad did. Because my pastor did. Because my grandparents did. Because my great-grandparents did. Because my forefathers did. And by the way, we have to ask, us, ask a question. Uh, were we better off when we believed we had the Bible and we preach that Bible and study that Bible and witness from that Bible, or are we better off now where we don't believe we have a perfect Bible anymore? This is what I'm saying. For many years, this Bible has worked just fine to speak to the hearts of people. This King James Bible that I used was, was used at some of the greatest revivals ever recorded in history. It was used by some of the greatest preachers of all time. I thought about that story. You know, Adele Moody was preaching in Europe and 
uh, and uh, they had promoted the meeting and, 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 and Mr. Moody rolls in and, and, they, they, and the story goes that there are 5,000 people packed into this huge church and there's another 5,000 on the outside. They have to take Mr. Moody and he was not a small man. They can't get him in the front door because there's such a crowd. And so they take D.L. Moody, they put him in through a window. D.L. Moody goes in the church, he preaches, and the Spirit of God falls. And afterwards, he goes outside, stands up on a wagon in the pouring rain, and preaches to 5,000 people outside in the pouring rain. And when he got done preaching, the people said, please preach again. He used the King James Bible for that. I think about, I think about men like Spurgeon. Spurgeon's tabernacle became the one of the, the, the became a huge tourist spot in London, England. His sermons were, were, were printed in all the major newspapers. And people would come to London and they would say, I want to see the place where thousands are being saved. And they would catch the horse-drawn taxis. And the cabbies were known to say this, aye, laddie, I'll take you across the Thames into the tabernacle for a fare, but I warn you, if you hang around the place, you're liable to get converted. It's a soul trap. The Bible was used, the Bible that was used was the King James Bible. Let me, let me bring this thing to a closer in just a moment. How about this? Number three, preacher, why do you use the King James Bible? Number three, promotion. The King James Bible promotes order. And God is a God of order. Now, take your Bibles real quickly. And we're, 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 we're putting near done tonight. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and look at verse number 40. I'm sorry, I use those big words, pertinent. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, we're almost done. That's what I meant. And for all you uh, city slickers out there. Okay. All right. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 40. Let me show you that God is a God of order. The Bible says in verse number 40, God says, let what kind of things? Let, let all things be done decently and in what? In order. Let all things be done decently and in order order. Listen, this is why we, this is why I preach from the King James Bible. This is why I ask those who preach here and those who teach here to use a King James Bible so that we might promote order. My wife and I were in a church. We decided to visit the Sunday school. And so we went down, it was an adult, it was an adult class and we, uh, we were just, we were visitors that day. We were totally out of our comfort zone, but we just thought we'd go to Sunday school there, and so we uh, found the class where we were supposed to get plugged in, and we sat down in the class minding our own business, and the teacher got up, and the teacher read the Bible, and then one of the classmates spoke up and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. My Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says this, and then someone else chimed in and said, whoa, whoa, my Bible doesn't say any one of those. My Bible says this. Well, wait a minute now. My Bible says, and before we knew it, man, people were coming in and going against each other and all that kind of thing, and we just wanted to get out of there. That's all we wanted to do. And uh, you know why? Because it was a place of confusion. And if you're in 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse number 33. The Bible says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. And so purity, people, promotion, but we're done today. But don't, don't miss this point. Number four is the word priority. Pastor, why do you use the King James Bible? Priority. I'm so thankful. My pastor, th th this is where my pastor helped me so much when I went to him about this, this subject. And I'm, I wanna try to give you that if I could. The King James Bible was the first of its kind to tell us God's message in English. It told us about creation. It told us about the gospel. 
It told us about the miracles of Jesus, about the second coming of Christ, about heaven, about hell, about salvation by grace. But here's what I want you to understand. The more a story travels from the original teller, the more distorted the story becomes. And so when I came to my pastor many, many years ago and I said, Pastor, what's, what's the deal? I mean, what Bible should I use? And very humbly, my pastor said, Stephen, he said, listen, he said, uh, just, just stay with your King James Bible. And I said, well, preacher, why though? What, why? And he said, well, he said, you know, it seems like there's a different version coming out about every other month. And he said, did you ever, did you ever see somebody tell a story and they told a story to this person and this person told the story to this person. And this person told the story to this person and then down, 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 down. You get about 10 or 15 down the road. And before you know it, the story that started right there, by the time it gets right here, it's totally different. The other night, we had the Overbees. Boy, that was a blessing, wasn't it? Brother Ken did a great job. And we really got blessed by the Overbees being with us. And Brother Ken preached a great message. And, uh, but I, I'll tell you something else. I think that they were equally blessed by being at Calvary. And so Brother Ken, following the service, Brother Ken decided to talk to his phone, not text. But he decided to talk to his phone and have his phone send me a message of gratitude. And so later that night, after everything calmed down and everybody got gone, I looked at my phone and I had a message from Brother Ken. Now, he didn't tell me this directly. He told his phone, and then he told his phone to tell me. And this is what I got. Here's the message. But the state that is Ken, thank you and thank you so much. The people were such a blessing to preach to, for such a blessing to preach to, we just love the love for Jesus and the children, yay, Jesus and the church in the world that we sense there and your love for us. Thank you, Aaron. I don't know who Aaron is, but, uh, and your love for us. Thank you so much for the generous offering. I don't know if uh, you put the paper ringing. <laughs> I have no idea. He said, I'm just such a blessed, just such a blessing and so excited that so many in your church know that Jewish people, so if your church knows that Jewish people, so whatever we can do to put some stuff in their hands, to help put some stuff in their hands to help them. But we'll be back in touch with you about the brother, Lord, uh, with you about the brother, Lord bless you. <laughs> and I looked at my phone that night and I thought, what in the world is that? And that's what happens when you don't tell the story yourself. Hey, this is all I'm saying. It's worked for all these years telling the story. I'm just going to stick with this one right here. I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. You may not have that same conviction, but I'm just saying that's why I use, that's why I use the King James Bible tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the precious book, the precious word of God. Lord, that sheds light upon our way. Lord, a book that's more powerful, that's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, a book that can and will change our life. Lord, if nothing else tonight, we can definitely agree on this. Thank you for giving us thy word. Thank you for giving us the Bible. And Lord, thank you for letting us be in a Bible-preaching church and a church that believes in biblical authority. As we taught in the class tonight, God, thank you for the word of God. Father, I pray, if nothing else, I pray tonight through this message, maybe a little complicated, but I pray through this message that you'll renew our, our burden to get into your word. God, maybe there's someone here tonight and they're not reading the Bible. 
And tonight, that would change. Tonight, they would, tonight they would make a decision. Lord, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Lord, you went through so much trouble to give it to me. And so many lost their lives and shed their blood so I could have this King James Bible tonight. God, the least I could do is read it, study it, and live by it. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in the invitation. God, again, renew our, our burden and our vision to get in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're gonna let you go. But right before we dismiss, I wonder if there might be one here tonight, anywhere, who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. And you'd slip your hand up. Is there any like that here tonight? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. If you're watching the live stream tonight, there's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. If you're watching this live stream, you may not even be watching from this country. And you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I want you to do me a favor, right? And I want you to call that number on your screen. And we have some people that are standing by the phones and they would love to pray with you. They would love to tell you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you're watching tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm gonna be honest with you. Really, I thought tonight would be the last night I'd be on this earth. I've got a, a burden that feels like it's 10 million pounds. I don't think I can go another day. Hey, friend, I want you to call that number right now. We've got some folks that would love to pray with you and believe God with you and walk through that valley with you. Would you call us right now? Would you stand all over the house tonight, church? We're going to pause just for a moment, just for a moment. And if God spoke to your heart about a decision or a need that you have tonight, listen, the altars are wide open and uh, you come and we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer, all right? I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment, okay? Just for a moment. And if you need prayer, we're here for you. You come while we wait tonight.